0: Hello and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about taboo topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist with a passion for helping women to get fit, feel good, and live boldly. All right, I am so excited. Today we have Alessa Caridi, the creator of Jobu Fit, Power Posture Pro, Master Certified Pilates Instructor, and the author of The Ultimate Workspace Toolkit, Your Guide to Solving the Aches, Pains, and Productivity Problems of Your Workday. Alessa, I am so excited because as I sit here, I feel like a little shrimp in my chair. I am... (laughs) not a posture pro at all. So I'm excited to dive into uh, what really your company does. And before we started this podcast, we were talking about just your life and how you lived in Japan for years and about all these really amazing experiences. So if you could go ahead and just kind of give a rough introduction to yourself and um, tell us a little bit about your company.
1: Sure. Well, first, um, thanks for having me. This is like really exciting. I always love to talk about myself. Who doesn't? (laughs) So, So, my company actually, you know, to kind of really just dive in, my company actually is a kind of amalgamation mashup compilation of my entire life. And um, it really started with, I was born into and raised in a family full of doctors. Um, so I grew up knowing that your leg bone is not just your leg bone, it's your femur. And I knew like the actual words behind things that people would be like, ouchie. And I'd be like, this hurts because, and it was wonderful that I was able to, you know, really Verbalize those things, but it also normalized them, right? So I grew up thinking everybody knows that, right? You know, and I got to college and undergrad, I studied dance and then I studied injury prevention, was my focus um, in my final year. Um, And really, I thought everyone knew this was your clavicle. And you, you like, there's three arm bones, the rotations, the difference between a hinge joint. And, you know, like, I, I mean, I could go on and on. Yeah. So really, like, I thought that was normal. And then I'm talking to people while we're doing this injury prevention specifically for dancers um, and All of a sudden, I'm looking around the room and like blank stares. And so I was like, oh, that's weird. And I'm a giant nerd. So anything that I dive into, I have to go 100 million percent into, right? Because I'm not just a Pilates instructor. I've been a master certified Pilates instructor, which means I was certified to teach other people how to become a Pilates instructor. Um, And that's kind of the way that my brain has always worked. Um, Fast forward, I studied abroad when I was an undergrad um, in Paris and in Florence. And so I spent almost a year um, doing that studying dance and seeing their cultures and just seeing the way that they lived and how it was different from ours and healthier in some aspects. And then I came back and it was almost more jarring to be back in the States to like mm. back at that grind that everybody deals with. Um, and then I finished undergrad, um, and I moved back to, uh, Manhattan cause I wanted to be closer to my family and I started dancing and within four, five months I ended up breaking my foot um, and so as I was like going out to audition, all of a sudden the thing that I studied and I had, was passionate about for years, I couldn't do anymore. Um, and that's actually the first time that I took a Pilates certification was when I was 22, just out of college, like really I had to figure out what I was going to do. And then I realized that it wasn't going to be a quick turnaround for me um, to get back into dancing. So then I started modeling and I was a fit model and that even further kind of was like, oh, well, if I stand like this and I twist my body and I really started understanding my body from this Pilates perspective, my dance background, of course, and then also seeing myself in pictures and how things, you know, constantly were adjusted. And most of the pictures, you know, were from my nose down because I was a fit model. They were mm-hmm. really looking at the clothing, right? So I was really just looking at my body and really understanding that. And through that process, it was a year because I had to do something, you know, yeah. while my foot was healing. Um, my husband literally stumbled into my life, um, uprooted my life, and was like, Hey, um, work is moving me across the world. You want to come? And I was like, Oh, sure. And so then I spent three years in Japan, and that really turned my like everything upside down. Um, the way that they live was so different from ours. So, culturally, some things are just completely opposite, but the biggest wow and the biggest thing that hit me there because i was uh, i had my own pilates studio there i was training marine sailors soldiers airmen stay-at-home moms working professionals you know pretty much everyone japanese locals that i'd have my anatomy books in english and in japanese and we're pointing at things so that they'd understand what i was talking about I love that. Um, really working with those people and then seeing their everyday practices that's when I knew that something had to change within, you know, within the States, like what I was going to bring home in, in the West, right. Whatever, everything other than Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have a daily practice. That's all all, it's called radio workouts, a radio show. And they, I like, we have uh, like street lamps here. Uh They have street lamps with speakers on them. Like they have the lamp and then the speaker. Okay. And it is amazing. music plays, People stop, they line up, whatever they're doing, kids at schools, construction workers on, on the seawall that they were building, people, traditional office workers. You can Google like the pictures in Tokyo of people doing these workouts. Some of them are in the, t- the rooftops of these tall buildings. Um, you have factory workers doing them in in like the parking lots. And they all know this routine. They're taught this as a child and they do it daily. And I was like, wow, why don't we have this, back, you know, back home? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started talking to the people I was training and really figuring out what their pain points were. Um, and the one thing it didn't matter what job they were doing. By the end of the day, their fatigue that it then turned into body pain. Usually, and I would say nine times out of ten, were body pain. Do like back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain were the big, big. Uh, pain points for them. And it didn't matter what they were doing. So I was like, okay, well, I can fix this through my Pilates. I've been seeing this amazing practice happening daily. I've grown up where I, I thought that calling your leg bone your femur bone was normal. Why can't I just mush, mush all of these kind of life things together and I'm going to start my own business? Um, and It was so easy for me to start my own business in japan and run and operate my own business while i was there that i was like i got this and i moved back to new york and i was like oh this is much harder than in japan um and so i started testing it i i created a 15 minute movement routine that was designed for small workspaces so for your chair desk tech setup and people and i would just kind of anyone that would have me into their office, really any, I would call around, I'm testing this out. You know, I'll come in for free. It'll be 15 to 30 minutes. I'll be in and out and like, you know, give me your hardworking bodies. That's pretty much what it was. People loved it. And then they were like, what's next? And I'm like, no, this is what you do. You do this every morning or every lunchtime and then you feel better. But you know, the New Yorker, the Westerner, needs new, they need shiny, they need different, they mm-hmm. need exciting. And so then that's where I started thinking, okay, this is gonna be a lot harder, a lot more difficult than what I had originally thought of, because they're not gonna be like the Japanese. This was a cultural like stamp, right? Everybody learns in childhood and then they carried it through with them and that was what was normal. But here, that's not the case. So then I decided to back it up a little bit because it was we wanted new, we wanted more, and we wanted it in less amount of time because what I first started with was 15 minutes and they're like, I don't have 15 minutes in all my work day. So then we backed it down to 10 I don't have 10 minutes in the middle of my workday. So now I offer movement routines that are hundred percent workspace approved. Meaning you can do them in your work clothing, in your workspaces and there no, I don't have a video that is more than eight minutes. So the longest video I have is eight minutes. Um, we have ab workouts that are five minutes and it's usually like the five to minute, five to eight minute um, mark there. But the goal is to really understand that, you know, Sitting uh, is the new smoking, right? I feel like that is kind of like the the beating a dead horse now that uh, mm-hmm. everyone talks about. But now we have things like tech neck, Zoom fatigue. What do you call it? Sleeping butt syndrome. They like the the list just kind of grows, and all these catchphrases are there, and we use them, and we hear them, and then people say like, well. How do we f- actually fix this? And then that's where the conversation stops. I don't know if you uh, have ever looked into sitting is the new smoking, but it actually, the conversation for that started in the late eighties. And wow. that's, that's where the conversation ended. We're acknowledging that this is killing us, but we don't have any solution. And then mm-hmm. in the early two thousands, I wish I knew this guy's name. He came out with the walking desk. Have you ever tried to edit a slide or a document while you're walking, right? Because this treadmill actually had like a place for your computer stand and a mouse and everything on it. It is not easy. Like you cannot work and walk at the same time. It gets kind of tricky. And then I kind of challenge people to think about the way that they have their relationship with their chair desk tech and understand that standing is not, is not the solution. It's actually just the, it's the same problem in the opposite direction. So people think that, okay, well, this guy wanted me to walk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that must mean that standing is going to solve all my problems. No, the, the goal here that people miss is that it's actually movement. Movement mm. is the only thing that will solve these issues. And so like you're saying, you're sitting in your chair and you're a shrimp. Well, could you imagine (laughs) if you decided that every hour for five minutes, you got up and you moved around that shrimp position usually occurs, usually like hits you because you've been in that position for too long. And someone that is as active as you and, and knowledgeable and has that base understanding of their body would never get to that position unless they were required to be there for a long amount of time. And we are now like as a culture, we are more attuned to our bodies, right? We spent so, I mean, two years practically indoors, not socializing. And people are really hit by the fact that, okay, commute is nothing. It's from my bed to my, from my, to my desk. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe, I get lunch in my kitchen, but more often than not, I'm working from my kitchen, so I'm not going anywhere, right? So really, people are no longer moving. Before the pandemic, my biggest issue, like the biggest like talking point that when people would bring me in is we're not moving anymore. We take public transit to work. We're sitting on public transit. Then we get to our office and we're sitting. We thought that was bad. Now wow. we're here. And at least, you know, these big companies came in and said, 90 days free of this, you know, try this launching platform. So people are getting a better understanding of what their bodies are, but they're also, they need to take it a step further. Um, We need to understand that the morning workouts or the evening workouts are not enough is that we really need to think of it as a progression through our workday. And th- and that's another thing I tell people all the time. I'm not here to replace your workouts. I'm a Pilates junkie. Yeah. I love walking outdoors. I do all of those things. And then every, well, this is you know we're diving in, right? So what I teach people is the fifty ten ratio, the five zero ten 0 10 ratio. Um, for every 50 minutes that you spend seated doing your work, focusing on your job, the task that you're assigned or assigning other people, you spend 10 minutes moving. Um, whether that's getting up to fill your water cup and then taking a walk around your house, whether it's making your salad, it's folding your laundry, standing up so that you actually have to bend over and stand up mm-hmm. and fold and bend over, whatever it is. Spend Ten minutes, not looking at your computer, moving around, and doing a solid for your body. Really, that's what it is.
0: Yeah, you've okay. Obviously, we just dove into a lot, but there was a couple things that specifically really stood out to me in this conversation that I want to point out. So, the first thing is that you mentioned in Japan that they have this daily routine, and when clients come to me, I think the hardest thing for a majority of people is the consistency of something. And you just said it, people they don't have 15 minutes. They don't have 10 minutes. They have less than eight minutes to actually do something when in reality, like we have a lot more time than I think we admit we do because I always ask people, do you spend at least 10 minutes on your phone scrolling social media? Look, even just looking at your emails, maybe not everybody uses social media, but everyone maybe looks at their emails. That's that eight minutes or whatever that you can spend walking on a treadmill, walking around your house, literally standing up to do those things versus just sitting on your couch, sitting like a potato, looking at your uh, whatever you're looking at. And so I think that's the first thing that it is. it has become so routine to not have a routine for mm-hmm. us. And That is a concerning thing to me when people have a hard time finding that consistency because you just said it. There are street speakers where everybody in this conglomerate is legitimately having a consistent routine from being a child to being an adult. That's amazing. And I think that's a huge struggle for people is to find that consistency in that routine. And that's when I think like having coaches, having accountability, things like that might be um, a handy tool for a lot of people. But you also mentioned the really big one is movement. Movement is medicine. And like you said, I agree with you. Doing just your one hour, 45 30 minute workout, whatever that looks like, is not enough. Like I was trying to explain to people when it comes to you're obviously working more so on the movement, just trying to get people moving in general. And I'm working more so on the like fat loss side, but both of them have a lot of touch points that, that meet up because when it comes to movement, the whole idea is to have daily movement. And I try and explain to my clients who are on the fat loss side of things that when we are breaking down how our body burns calories and how it burns energy, most of that comes from daily movement, not from your hour workout. The hour workout, yes, it's really important because the more muscle mass you have, the more calories your body naturally burns because that's just how muscles work. But if you are doing your one-hour workout and then you are sitting and not getting in any steps during the day, you are basically a sedentary individual. And it is going to be very, very hard for you to lose weight and see those results if you're not putting in that effort to actually – Get up and move your body. And PS, if you are drinking enough water to stay hydrated, you should surely need to get up more than once every two hours because we've been talking for about an hour and I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom because I drink enough water. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Got to get up. I,
1: and that is like that's like tip number 1. When someone's like tell me the if I, there's one takeaway, one thing that would get me moving or one thing I should do that will solve, you know, everybody wants one, right? They want yeah. one thing. But honestly, water is almost that the end all kind of solution for us. Right. I mean, not only is it, uh, is it hydrating our bodies, it's providing, you know, uh, brain stimulation. It gets us moving. It's, it's helping with digestion. I mean, there are just uh, like, what is our body? 96% water or something. Oh gosh. I'm terrible with
0: facts. Don't ask me. (laughs)
1: Yes. It's something, it is something ridiculous. And there is a reason That putting it into our bodies will make us healthy, will keep us healthy, will keep us moving, right? Not only our bodies moving, but our insides moving and the reason that we need it. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's for health, Tips, it's water. And for um, posture tips, I tell everybody, it starts with your feet. So it's the same kind of idea. There's just that one thing. If you want to take away that one thing, then that's where you need to start. And also, like when we're talking about habits and, and, and the reason why the Japanese are so okay with doing this one movement routine that looks the same day in and day out is because they, it it is normal for them, right? It's a habit that has been ingrained in them since childhood. And since it's, it's normalized, right? You know, it's, it is part, nobody asks questions when you're a child. Now, when you get to an adult, oh, why do I have to do that? Oh, well, why can't I just sit on your couch, on my couch while I'm scrolling? Well, I tell people I have a whole set of movement that I call incognito movement. So if you don't want to, move around at a designated amount of time. I have movements that you can do while on a digital meeting that don't look like anything, but you're doing your body a positive. Like right now, you can't tell. We're looking at each other. I know people are probably listening to mm-hmm. this, but I'm doing leg lifts right now. And you couldn't tell. No, I I'm working tell. my core. My, I'm like working my core. I'm working my stability. Then now I'm doing heel raises, which works on my ankle mobility, which really gets... The, the body alignment secure. And there's things that you can do that, okay, I can still scroll and I can still look at my whatever it is. I can still have a digital meeting. And because we've been sitting here for almost an hour now, I know my body needs to move. So there's certain things that you know, we're going back to the habit bit for a second that, you know, building habits as an adult makes it more difficult, makes it harder because we have to actively choose and actively engage with this. Um, But then it's also, don't make it a challenge, make it something that fits into your day already, because Mm -hmm. those are the easiest things to, to add, right? Something that requires next to nothing more. And that's why, you know, and if you, Hop over to my Instagram page, you can pull up any one of those videos. You pull them on while you're watching, you know, your digital meeting, your phone's right there. Oh, I can do this too. I'm on my digital meeting. I can turn my screen off for 3 minutes and I can do my my pull arm pull back into goal post motion. And guess what? I just realigned my spine. I undid that shrimp position or as we call it, undo the hunch. And I'm back at it. You know, I feel better. And so these are things that fit into your day that required next to nothing. And that is the way to start to build a habit. Because just like you said, beginning, end of the day, it's not enough. We need to start thinking about it in in a different kind of perspective and get, get it moving throughout the day.
0: Absolutely. And as cliche as it sounds, I'm sure a majority of people listening have heard of the book Atomic Habits. I read this book last year after hearing the hype of New Year's and this this book. It's really, really helpful. And I would recommend anybody that has a hard time sticking with habits or creating new habits for themselves, whether they are trying to get rid of Bad habits that they already have ingrained, or if they are trying to learn new habits to really understand how our brains work when it comes to habits. So, we are a society that really thrives on instant gratification. We can all admit to that. Everybody wants that instant gratification, but a lot of people aren't willing to put in the work to get that instant gratification for what they want. And so, what I really liked while I was reading Atomic Habits was that he talks a lot about habit stacking. So, you went and got your coffee this morning. You had to make that coffee. Let's just say, while you're making your coffee, maybe you do a lap around your kitchen. I don't know. I have I have a kitchen island, so I like to take a walk around my kitchen island, sometimes three laps around my kitchen island. Um, and maybe when you're making that coffee, you can do calf raises while you're waiting for those beans to grind. And adding that habit onto something that you're already Perfect. doing is a really yeah. easy way to incorporate these things into your schedule. So I hired a coach myself because I really want that extra accountability. And he's like, look, you got to get up and walk more. And I was like, shoot, you know, I really do. I am really big into practicing what I preach. And so I was like, you know what? I really got to make this a priority. So my new habit is every time I eat dinner, I then go for a walk. It doesn't need to be a long walk. It just has to be a walk. I can be, it can be downstairs to my mailbox, like whatever I have time for just finding that movement. So after my meal, it's maybe five, 10, sometimes 30 minutes just to get some movement after I eat. And so that's that habit that I'm stacking onto something else. And we make it so overly complicated. Like, yes, I understand not everybody has an hour to work out, but Everybody has to pee during the day. Like if you don't, <laughs> again, like you are lying yes. or something's wrong. Like please get up and use the restroom. I used to be the person that would pee like twice a day. I was clearly not drinking enough water and not getting enough movement. Mm-hmm. So, like drink some water, yeah. go and pee. You need it. Yeah. This is your I, I,
1: Have you, so habit stacking is, is amazing. Have you ever heard of Kaizen? No. Have you ever heard of that? So it is, I think it was, And I might get this wrong, but I think it's Mitsubishi that started this. So Japanese company um, that Kaizen is um, improving yourself 1% daily. And so the idea that it's tiny bits, right? It's not a full, you know, like a full dive in, cut it out. Um, The way that they explain it is they were trying to get the uh, employees to stop smoking. Mm. And so what they would do is their challenge was, you know, you have that last puff, don't take that last puff, you know, step on it or throw it away, whatever you do with cigarettes. I don't smoke. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) And then the next day, the last two puffs step on it, you know? And so then that way, eventually you get to not needing anything down the line, you know, six months, Mm -hmm. a year, whatever it is. But the people that say, I'm quitting cold turkey. I mean, I don't know what the percentages are on that, but that's significantly harder than, you know, loving your body and really kind of nurturing yourself into this, you know, getting away from these bad habits and then adversely creating better habits. And so I tell people the same thing when they're trying to get their movement in throughout the day. Don't sit down and say, All right. So Alessa says for every 50 minutes, I spend seated, spend 10 minutes moving. Okay. So I'm going to make out my schedule and every like, you know, 10 of the hour, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do something. And then they schedule that out because that's one of the things that I give away is here's my health schedule. And here's 50 things that you can do, you know, pick and choose, mix and match, however you want to do it. And it doesn't take any extra effort. And so that's like the, you know, here, take my schedule, do this. But so they sit down and they plan this out from nine to five, if you're lucky to still have one of those kinds of jobs. And then week five, Maybe if you make it that far, maybe it's five days in, you just completely give up because you've mm-hmm. do, you've taken five points of your day and made it an adjustment. Where I try to teach people, um, and this is something that if you wanna take my eight week program, that in eight weeks, we work up to that where we're doing things four times a day is my goal. And two before lunchtime and two after lunchtime. And it takes eight weeks to get to that point. We're not doing it overnight. We're making sure that once in the beginning of the, the whole thing, in the first week, we learn how to sit correctly and how to establish a, a, a single tiny day, one 10-minute one period in one day for that first week to take 10 minutes for yourself. That's it. Because yeah. that is... Improving yourself one percent daily, and then you start building. Then there's week two, you get to more things, and by week eight, these changes are so slight that your body, your so your brain doesn't even know that your body is craving this movement. You're just doing it at that point, Mm -hmm. and that's what makes you know that's what makes a healthy body is to understand that your body now needs this. It's not that you want to do it, but it's the fact that your body is craving these kinds of healthy habits.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I love that. I love the idea of the getting 1% better every single day. And, you know, I used to be really big on setting long-term goals. You think about all these smart goals that people like to set, et cetera, et cetera but to be completely honest, I don't like love long-term goals. And the reason I don't is because I find that when I work with clients and even with myself to set shorter term goals or to set really small goals, it's so much easier to accomplish those things. So like you said, 10 minutes the first week, you know, it takes eight weeks to get up to that point. Like just creating that really short-term goal and then reassessing, like Maybe that 10 minutes was really hard for you the first week. Like maybe it was super yeah. challenging. Like you, there's a very good chance you might need to be on that just 10 minutes for the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so that mm-hmm. eight weeks might actually be a longer process for you. And you can still have that long-term goal, sure. But setting that like shorter term goal, I find to be slightly more effective. Like what can you do? Monday through Friday this week, like, what can you do this week? And can you actually accomplish it this week and set that like, realistic expectation for yourself. And if you're like, no, my Mondays are impossible. I don't have that time to do so. Also, Set that expectation for yourself and be like, I know that I cannot on Monday. Like if I set it for myself, I'm just going to fail. Okay, great. You've set that expectation for yourself. What can you do realistically the rest of the week? And I think that's really important for people as well because. And also in
1: line with that. Yeah. In in line with that, most of us don't have control of our schedules in that way, right? We work for other people. We have projects, we have deadlines that get moved, moved up, right? And so I tell people that when you have a schedule and it gets interrupted, don't let that reset your entire week. Instead, just push it. You know, that that's why we do things in 10 minutes or less, because we want to make sure that it's an easy move. And then also, if it ends up not happening, then you need to be kind to yourself and understand that you don't need to do double the next day. Because I think that also comes comes into play with people is that, you know, they don't like, you know, oh, I missed my workout. Oh, I'm going to do morning and night workout tomorrow mm-hmm. so I can make up for it. Or, oh, I ate that chocolate cake over the weekend. I need to go twice as hard, like on my workouts this week, so I can cancel that out. And I think people don't understand that that is then that that causes the burnout, right? That causes the the the, like the hate, the you know the anger, angst towards what's become your required kind of events, movement, whatever, whatever kind of workout or healthy habit, and then it's you know, one step forward, five steps back, where if you just said, okay, my schedule has gone through the roof today. My boss just called he wants three more things by the end of the day. All right. I'm, while I'm reading this email, I'm going to just stand up just so that I don't have to sit while I'm reading this email. And I'm going to call that a win for my day because I made sure that I wasn't in the same position. Uh, it's, those are the kinds of things. So building the the habits, being kind to yourself. Oh, and then also taking that kind of mindset will get rid of, will lower the stress and the anxiety and the frustrations and all of those things. When you understand like, oh, so mad at my boss, I didn't get my 10 minute workout in today. Well, if you're like, okay, you know what, let me just stand for three minutes. That will lessen the anger, the anxiety, the stress, and and then it has it has that kind of positive effect, and it may not be physical, but it is mental. And we can talk about the downward spiral, of stress, and the way that it kind of you get into that loop, and something that is mental then becomes physical, then bounces back to the mental, and that's why it's the downward spiral. But
0: yeah, yeah. I I love that though. I'm really big on giving ourselves grace and also reworking those like daily goals. Like we just, we've talked a lot about water and the need for water. Like maybe you couldn't get that workout in, but were you able to at least like maybe get a, a, an extra 20 ounces of water or like maybe at tonight you'll be like, you know what, I'm going to have water with dinner instead of that, that glass of wine that I really want or whatever.
1: Oh, don't take my wine away <laughs> from me.
0: <laughs> You're like, please no. But there are other ways I think to rework some goals so that you can still feel accomplished even if you um, like didn't really hit everything on the head. Um, but again, I I'm really big about expectation setting because, like you said, you don't want to take the wine away. Some nights I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna have some wine, and I try really hard not to drink during the week. But like Wednesday was a really rough day, and all I wanted to do was go out with a friend and have a couple glasses of wine. And I was like, you know what? I'm setting myself up for the expectation that. Tomorrow I'm probably not going to feel a hundred percent because I know wine doesn't really agree with me. And so that's okay. And I'm willing to give up that day of 100% so that I can have some time with a friend. And that, that expectation setting led me to making a really rational versus an emotional decision about the entire smart. process of doing it. Very um, smart. So yeah. I always think that that is really helpful, but yeah, no, I know you said kind of diving into the spiral of stress and how it can go from, um, our internal into our external. So feel free to dive into that side of things. I'm always interested in how I can reduce my own stress. And I'm sure a majority of people need Stress reduction. We live in a very Uh, stressed society.
1: Well, so we're talking about sitting, right? And the Mm -hmm. majority of people uh, sit still uh, in their workspaces. There are some people that have invested in sit-stand desks or stand primarily at the standing desks. Those are all still problems. Um, But the issue here is that stress starts in two ways, one of two ways. Um, it either starts physically, and by that I mean, you know, you've been sitting for too long and your hip starts to hurt. And then you're like, okay, let me just finish this email right now. My hip is really killing me, but let me just finish this email. And then you're typing out this email and you're like, oh, wait, what was I supposed to write in this email? Because you're so focused on this hip pain and getting rid of this hip pain that all of a sudden you're like, oh, darn it, what was I doing? You know, and then you start to get stressed in that way. And then that requires you to stay in this this position for longer because you can't remember what you were trying to write out. And then the hip pain becomes back pain. And then that, that becomes the downward spiral starts happening. And then you're writing this, then you get this email and you just send it because you're like, I'm done. And then the email bounces back because you didn't answer that last question there. And your boss is like, oh, wait, you forgot this. Can you answer this for me? And you're like, oh God, now I have to sit here for even longer. And so then it becomes more mental again. And then it kind of has this downward spiral which is the reason why I tell people just stand up while you read this email because you're undoing all of that kind of stagnant, uh, I call it the statue lifestyle where you're holding one position for a long period of time. So you're undoing that statue lifestyle just by adding a little bit of movement and then therefore stopping the spiral before it starts. And then the other way that stress starts is Call from your family member, call from your boss, an unexpected like reminder you have a doctor's appointment tomorrow that you've been like (laughs) dreading, right? You know, we all get those kinds of phone calls and you're just like, oh crap, okay, wait a second, what was I doing? Oh, right, okay, so I have this stuff going on. And then you're like, okay, now I just need to focus a little bit more. And then Whatever it was that you were you were trying to do, then ends up becoming this like hunched over. Let me get on my phone. Let me get on my computer, and then you start taking the tension in your head and your neck because everyone gets stressed out and you know answering phones, getting crunched in a position, you know getting close. We We feel like the solution to a problem is to get closer to my technology because that would like as if that is going to solve the problem, right? So if I just get like slightly closer to my phone, maybe I'll be able to answer that email, right? Or if I'm, you know, holding my phone a little bit closer instead of just putting the headphones in and like dropping the phone on the table, right? It it just, we think that that's what's happening. And so then it becomes physical, right? We take it, the stress in our, the tension in our head and our shoulders, in our necks. And then we get really stressed out because we're in pain now, but we're still like thinking about this doctor's appointment or how we hung up on our mom because we were really frustrated with her, whatever it was. And then that's how the spiral goes back and forth between mental and physical, or as you mentioned, inner and outer. And it really is something that you have to acknowledge. Like you have to consciously break the cycle. And it, it, I mean, these are things that are never going to go away. And so I call Mm -hmm. it, I would like to refer to it as like a coping mechanism, but I like to look at it from more of a physical standpoint simply because that's what I do. Um, There's nothing wrong with meditation. I love meditation. I start my day with meditation, but there is no amount of meditation that you can do that will meditate the pain away. Physical pain actually has to be acknowledged and, and addressed. You need to get those shoulders and relax them down away from your ears. You need to shake your head. No, I am not ready for my work day, but yes, I'm going to practice proper posture and I'm going to power through. Something that simple, right? That took 30 seconds to shake your head no and then yes, and then realize, okay, I can step back, let me dive back into this and then I'm going to step away from my computer, my tech, whatever it is, my my situation. And I'm going to you know move, do something so I can come back refreshed and power through. So that's really the the spiral that has to be acknowledged and then handled. And and the way I handle it is from the physical because that's just what I do. So.
0: Yeah, yeah no, it's so funny. I was just kind of internally laughing at that whole <laughs> that whole situation because I feel that really deeply. Obviously somebody who does work out really hard, I like my muscles hurt after my workouts a lot of the times and long story short, I have an injured right hamstring. And when I sit, it is exacerbated. And when I went Mm -hmm. to the doctor, she was like, Oh, this is really common if you're sitting for long periods of time, because that hamstring is currently under tension when Mm -hmm. it's in that position. And so I will notice a lot of pain when i sit in my hamstring and it's the same thing i'll be like oh i just need to finish this one thing instead of like getting up and moving around um, all right so you <laughs> want to fix it right
1: now you want to yeah, fix it we yeah. can fix it right now like, so like push your yeah push your chair back from from wherever you're okay. sitting It's if okay. you push your chair back and now uh-huh. walk your bum to the front part of your seat Cut. So you need to, uh, <laughs> your chair is on wheels. Is it on wheels? No, it's
0: not on wheels. Okay.
1: Perfect. So that, that's like the safety tip. Number one, if you're on wheels, you need to be able to hold on to something, right? Cause we don't okay. mind falling off. And so I mean, you know where your sitz bones are, right? Yes. Okay. For those of you who who are listening to this and don't know, you just want to rock back and forth in your hips and grab like the fleshy parts of your bum and kind of lift them up a little bit. So you feel the bones of your bum, your tush bones, your sits bones, pressing down to the chair. They're like two spikes that push down. So now you have... So now you have your, your sits bones should be almost at the front, like all, almost all the way to uh-huh. the front part of your chair. That's our goal here. Now, just like you said, when your feet are planted on the ground, our hamstrings are they're in tension, right? Cause they're, your knees are flexed and that that's, that's how our body works. Long story short, there's nothing to avoid with that. So what you want to do is actually we're establishing a brain body connection. So you want to look down at your feet, make sure both feet are planted evenly. So all 10 toes are pressed forward. You can feel your whole foot on the floor. And if you're in shoes, that's fine. You just want to make sure that your whole foot you can feel in your shoe. And your whole foot is pressing down. So you're not rotating out to the blades. You're not inter- internally rotating. Um, so like supine or prone. Um, sorry, that was wrong. But we're, anyway, moving on. <laughs> I'm I'm word vomiting right now. But if you look down at your toes, make sure all 10 toes are forward. That's where we're going. Okay. Now, pick the leg that you want to start with. And we want to get that first leg to be our anchor, to be our support. So the knee is directly over the foot, right? It's not in or out. And this is gonna be our, our stability side. Then you're gonna take the other leg and you're gonna extend the foot long out in front of you. So you're stretching your knee long, which mm-hmm. is if you're sitting, you know, back in a chair, you can't do, you can't keep the heel down on the floor with a knee straight. You're going to flex the toes. So they're going straight up to the lights. So you don't want to let it flop out. You don't want to turn it in. That's again, while we're looking down at our feet to establish that brain body connection. Now you want to sit up as tall as you possibly can, right? So we want to feel those sits bones down. We want to imagine that there is a strand of hair that's getting pulled up to the lights. So that is what's making you tall, not chest up or bum back to really stretch through our spines but the one strand of hair then this is where we undo that stress in that hamstring so you're sitting forward and we're going to from the waist hinge yourself forward so you can lean forward if it's 10 degrees if it's 2 degrees if it's 25 degrees wonderful but again this is incognito fitness so right now i am sitting at my desk i could be writing an email and stretching out my hamstrings you
0: can this feels work. so good, by the way. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, this feels amazing.
1: Just really simple. And these are things that you're undoing that hamstring stress that you're talking about and you have pain all day long. And wait, I can continue to work here, you know, and awesome. you're saving your body. Yeah. And then you have to make sure you do the other side too, right? Because we need to That's take care of both sides of our body, right? So you go plant that opposite leg down. That becomes the stability side, sorry. And then you're going to stretch the leg all the way long. Now, again, brain body connection, right? So you want to look down at your feet. It's not enough to just do the motion. Look at your toes with the leg that extended it long, that the toes are pressing up to the lights. You're sitting up as tall as you can, because that's where you're going to get the most most amount of stretch here. And then you're just going to hinge forward at your waist. And the other thing too, that's really helpful is if you breathe in this position. And I talk not too much about breath because there's so many different thought processes on breath and the way belly breathing versus not and all this other stuff that you're doing. So the one thing that with breathing is if you just take a passive action breath here in this situation and turn it into an active action, right? So our breath is a passive action, just like our heartbeat or a digestive system is a passive action, right? We don't think, oh, I just ate a sandwich. I need to focus on digesting it. We let our bodies work. So the same thing, if you take breath and make it a active action you can actually make your body relax really release the tension with your breath and the same thing is then you take it to the next level while you're doing the seated hamstring stretch with your sits bones at the front part of your chair and then you can actually elongate that hamstring you breathe into that hamstring is because you're not actually breathing into the hamstring Mm -hmm. right you know your lungs and your hamstring are two different places but if i If I said that to you and I was like, breathe into your hamstring, you probably look at me like I have five heads. But if you take this action and then in your mind say, okay, I'm going to breathe into this hamstring, meaning I'm going to let the tension release, it'll help you out in that way as well.
0: Amazing. You know, it's so funny being someone that is in fitness I will admittedly say like mobility and flexibility have never been my strong suit. I cheered through college and I always joke I was like the least flexible cheerleader. Like I can't do the splits, anything, nothing. It's just not my jam. And so, but it's nice to know that we can still get this movement, this flexibility, some of this mobility that we all don't have time for. Again, I don't always have time for it either, but yeah. I can do it while I'm working. Obviously we're sitting here recording a podcast and it took a few minutes. Doing this a few times a day would most likely alleviate some of this pain that I've been experiencing and that I know other people are experiencing, even these oh, sure. professionals, yeah. because being an online coach, I don't do any in-person sessions. And so all of my work is done online and you'd think, oh, so you work for yourself. You can you can make your own schedule. Sure, sure, I could, but I also have tons of clients that I'm serving and I have to be at my desk so that I can get all of the work that needs to be done done. That's just the yeah. nature of running a business. And yeah. I think other fitness professionals that might be listening to this like we do have time for the things that we preach to our clients that they need to make time for. It's just finding it in our schedules and maybe finding alternative ways to do it. And I think that this is an amazing alternative because again, you're offering really, I mean, easy solutions to people's problems.
1: And And that's good. That's, that's the goal is that I want to work in mobility training. So frequently I tell people, you know, what are your two favorite fitness moves? And they're like, Oh, I love, I don't know, like, sumo squats, let's say. Mm -hmm. So let's add sumo squats to your day. And they're like, well, I can't really like squat in my wool suit pants. I'm like, well, you don't have to do that. Let's take something you enjoy and we'll turn it into work at like a a movement at work. So workout at work kind of situation. Although I say workout and then people are like cringe because they're like, I can't work out at work. That's too weird. (laughs) Um, And so then we take a modified kind of sumo squat, right? Because you're already halfway there. You're sitting down, right? So you're already halfway to a sumo squat. And then we just turn it into a little bit of a bounce, right? And then you challenge yourself. Can you do seven of those? Can you do 10 of those? Those are the things that, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to take away your favorite things. I'm trying to help you continue them through your day so that they become healthy habits and they support your body and also your productivity, because the goal is sustainable high productivity, so that you can get your work done. Because let's be serious, you don't get your work done, you can't go to your favorite trainer. There's no more favorite fitness <laughs> fitness class, you know, moves, routines, classes, whatever it is yeah. that you're doing.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great, and I am really curious. I know we talked a little bit about the standing desk and um, how people are trying to make that more of their solution to. Mm-hmm. Their movement than just like sitting all day. But Mm -hmm. can we like dive a little bit deeper of like why standing is also not necessarily considered movement? Like, how could that also be bad for your posture?
1: So um, what I tell people is that standing is opposite of sitting. It is not the solution. So it's the same problem in the wrong direction. So if you're not sitting correctly, you're going to have body pain. And like, the same thing is if you're not standing correctly, you're going to have body pain. And it doesn't matter that you're standing to do your work, right? You're still writing the same email, just in a different position. So I think I mentioned before, I, I tell people we need to break the statue lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. And you see these statues, if you go to a museum and you were around the world, none of them look nice, right? They look like they're in pain. You know, they their muscles are tense, they're in a position, like who wants to be in that position for long periods of time? And we're we're actually humans putting ourselves in these positions. And even like you look at like, for example, the statue of Liberty, like the uh, arguably the biggest statue in our country right now. Okay. Uh, and the way that she's standing, right. She's like holding something up and she's holding a book in her hand. She's standing and she's got her arms up. That's not, you know, that's not going to be comfortable for a long amounts of time. So it doesn't matter if you're sitting or you're standing, you're still holding a position and doing it in, in a frozen kind of press pause, hit a freeze button kind of thing, it's still not going to be comfortable. And I will tell you, if you think you know how to stand correctly, you're probably... Doing it wrong, um, and I have five steps to like get you to stand correctly. And you can click over to my website, and there's a video on on how to sit correctly and also how to stand correctly. My favorite part of it, um, just as like a little teaser, um, is what I call the Michael Jackson lean, and this is something that I add in at the end so that you activate your core because we think that our bones are there to help you know, support our body and really just make sure that we live. And it's really, it's all about our muscles. And that is why, you know, we have like bone structure pain is that people don't, give their muscles the chance, you know, to actually support our bodies. Um, And so that's the reason why I add in the Michael Jackson lean at the end. And it also comes from my lifetime of dancing professionally and the way that we were taught to stand and present ourselves on stage. And I can tell you, I don't know of a dancer that didn't solve their back pain by strengthening the core. You know, I, honestly, there's plenty of dancers that I know that have back pain. And it's usually because growing up from childhood, they don't have teachers that correctly teach them how to move. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the same thing for us growing up from childhood. You know, we develop, you know, you, you don't. Run right, you have to be able to crawl beforehand, then you have to be able to sit before that, then you're laid down and you lift up your head, and then you're just like this mush right when you're born. So, there's a reason that our bodies develop that way, and when we get to the crawling position, we don't just take off right, we rock back and forth for a while, and that's because it's our core engaging and creating the stability that we need and the control and how to control our bodies to move our hands and our legs at the same time. And we start by moving our hands and our legs so that we get that nice square. And then we're able to stand up and balance because then it works on our lower, you know, our lower abs and then the strength all the way up through our spinae. And that is something that, you know, that develop like it's developmental. So if you're standing wrong, you're going to have body pain. You know, if you're standing and you're not moving, you're going to have body pain. And that's the reason why sitting is the opposite of standing. It is not, not not the solution. Now it's a little bit easier to sneak movement Into your day, right? Because when we just set up to do the hamstring stretch, Mm -hmm. um, I had to ask you to like, you know, push the chair away, slide your sits bones forward. That's not the way that you typically sit, right? You have to make adjustments to sitting. With standing, you're like, okay, I'm already standing. For me to do a couple of squats, some heel raises, you know, to like kind of shift my body around is a little bit easier, or or I should say, it's not necessarily easier, but it's more of a like a, you're okay with it because you're already standing. When mm-hmm. people are typically sitting and they're if they're sitting in a traditional workspace, they're kind of trying to hide. You know, like they're hiding mm-hmm. from yeah. their coworkers. So when I would ask people like stretch your arms up to the lights, you know, and people would be like, I don't know if I want to do that. Where people who are already standing, they already have that kind of the, the idea that they're taking up more space. It feels a little more um, natural. Exactly. Yeah. That kind okay. of movement ends up being a little bit more accepted in the, in their brain, but also talking about people at work and not stretching their arms overhead. And we touched on it just slightly beforehand, but mobility and range of motion, if you don't use it, you will lose it. And that goes yes. for anything that you're doing. So the same thing when you were talking about not really being able to do stretches and, or not sorry, splits, that's the, you know, the if you want to get there, you can get there. That takes work, that takes habit performing, all of these things that we've mm-hmm. been talking about. But just with you now with having a hamstring issue, if you don't stretch that out and protect it, it's only gonna get worse. Your mobility on that side is only gonna get worse, which I'm sure I don't have to tell you that if you don't stretch that out, you know, you won't be able to work out in the way that you that you want to. If you don't solve that problem, and that's the same thing for people that I see in offices can't tell you how many times that I have coached, you know, mid to upper middle management professionals, people in their forties And I asked them to raise their arms up and they take their suit jackets off and they can't get their arms mm-hmm. above their shoulders because they don't have to do that anymore. They're not doing that anymore. And therefore their body says, well, if I don't have to use my delts, I'm not going to use my delts anymore, right? If I don't have to get my traps to stretch out and elongate, you know, I'm I'm not going to use them anymore. It's not necessary. It takes too much work. It takes too much stress. It's another thing, body function that I have to think about. This is all like your internal conversation that your brain is having with your, bo- your brain-body connection. If you don't use it, you will lose it. And in the long run, you know, they're not going to be able to pick up their grandkids. You know, they're not going to be able to carry the groceries in. Just simple things that we take for granted are going to become that much more difficult, that much faster.
0: Yeah, and I think you talked a lot about core strength within this and having to build that up. That's why I, I mean, I preach compound movements. And if you're unfamiliar with what compound movements are, let's just say you're doing the squat or the deadlift or the chest press. All of these big body movements are, they're not isolating one specific muscle, but they're also including your core. If you think about pressing weight over your chest, you have to engage your core or else the weight, you can't really press it up. Or if you're doing a push up, even if you're terrible at push ups, I don't care if you can or can't do one. One of the main reasons you most likely can't do a push up is because that core strength isn't there. And so it's really important to not only focus on that strength training, focus on those big movements that are engaging your core, but also learning how to breathe into your core, like you said, not actually, but using your breath with your core and understanding where those muscles are, sort Mm -hmm. of just really understanding the anatomy of your own body and how you can strengthen these things. And I really liked your comment about range of motion because I typically work with women, but um, I will also work with a lot of men. And I find that women are typically, and again, this is a generalized statement, more likely to work on their flexibility and mobility. Mm -hmm. they're more likely to take yoga, Pilates, bar classes, things that work on those really fundamentals. And so the range of motion in a lot of the men I work with is limited and they have a very hard time with upper body mobility. Now, women I have found have a really hard time with lower body mobility, especially in their ankles and their knees and things like that. And so just working on these Um, mobility practices will help your body overall because like you said if you don't use it you lose it and our body needs functional mobility for just that functional movement functional movement picking up boxes picking up your grandkids picking up I don't know a case of water from Costco. You need functional movements in everyday life, and a lot of that comes down to those compound things where sure, big yeah. muscle groups and core movement, and so. And
1: I also think that like growing up from childhood, the the biggest like a uh, uh, mobility tip or like functional fitness tip that like I was ever given, or I think that was like uh, common at that time was bend your knees when you're picking up something healthy or heavy, you know, and those are, you know, th- that's like the the fundamentals there, mm. but we need to go beyond the the functional fitness of just bend your knees when you're picking up something you know, or anything, really just bend your knees. Don't just like bend over or don't bend forward. Cause that's what you're going to hurt, hurt your back. But all of these little things now, because our lives require less and less movement every day. If we don't have the functional fitness training in there, the mobility training in there, we're going to suffer, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, there's, I mean, you want another fact, um, before the, I think it was like the sixties, mid sixties, there was like 80% of labor in the U.S. was, uh, heavily dependent on movement, like farming, mm. um, uh, what do you call it? Steel mining, uh, like all of these these jobs that had that that kind of need to physically build something, physically change and alter something outside of ourselves, right? And we're still now we're physically changing and building things, but they happen to be more in a digital world. Mm-hmm. And that's why we need more of this mobility. Functional fitness. I mean, I used to say functional fitness to people when I was, you know, back training, like just doing Pilates when I was in my 20s. And like that was like, oh, I really want to be a Pilates instructor. Um, And they would look at me like, I mean, I walk, I hear, what else can I possibly need? You know, like that kind of thing. It's it's not, uh, it wasn't valued. But now I think, you know, just like we had mentioned, I had mentioned earlier, way back an hour ago, when we started this conversation (laughs) that we don't even commute anymore. So yeah, we're, we're walking from our bed to our desk and that's it. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing we got, we got nothing. We need nothing. We need to move almost negative, right? So if you're not adding a little bit extra, adding a little bit of functional fitness and, and supporting your body, it's going to be gone.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. in our seven to 900 square feet, if you're living in an apartment in a big city, I'm like maybe less than that in Manhattan. (laughs) Well, Alyssa, this has been so great. I've really enjoyed this conversation and it's given me some really helpful tips on how to improve my own function during the workday. Because again, it's something that does not necessarily come natural, but can be an easy habit to introduce into our lives. And so where can people find you? I, you're both your website and your social media, because I know you've got really great resources.
1: Yeah. So um, my website is jobufit.com and it's J-O-B-U. FIT.com. So it's your job plus you equals fitness, if that helps kind of like spell it out for you a little bit there. Um, and then it's also, uh, you can check out my business handle on Instagram, which is the same thing, just Joe Buffett. Or you can check out me, which is um A L E S S A. Uh, dot Joe Buffett on Instagram. And that's kind of where I'm a little bit more active and I'll chat with you. And, you know, um, on my business handle, you'll get like when my next book is coming out and the next places that I'm speaking. But if you want, you know, movement in three minutes or less, click on my, my page. And I share that about once a week. And then there's always those silly reels that can give you five minutes of movement. If you kind of watch them a couple of times and do it along. Uh, but honestly, thank you for having me. I love talking to, you know, real fitness professionals because they get it. And then we can just dive deeper instead of just kind of talking at the surface, which is something that, you know, is great, too. You know, I really just really love getting you know, the message out there, talking to people about these things. But talking to an actual health professional, really, you know, your audience already has that base knowledge and we can really go deeper.
0: Yeah, no, this is great. And I will link everything below, including where to purchase your book in case people are interested in awesome. that.
1: thank so you. All of
0: the information. Alyssa, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And to everybody listening, remember to be bold, to be confident, and to be you. you.